I'm Wanda Olubala, and this is my podcast, That Social Work Lady. Let's build community. I have nearly three decades of experience in social work. I've only worked in urban centers. The primary focus of my practice is children and their families. I invest in children. I help create environments where children are seen, heard, nurtured, cherished, and safe to explore both their internal and external worlds. I am dedicated to helping adults repair and strengthen their primary relationships in such a way that they bring up competent, healthy, successful families where positive self-esteem and self-concept are the norm. Individuals and families make community. So when I say to you, let's build community, I'm speaking to the inherent human desire to belong. Here is where you belong. Thank you for being a part of my community. Let's build. Hi, I'm Wanda, and I'm that social work lady. I'm coming... starting this podcast as a gift to myself um, as I'm entering where I am celebrating my fifth decade on this planet. So at this point, I've been, I've lived through five decades and two centuries. (laughs) Um, And I have 26 years experience as a social worker in urban communities working with children and their families. It has been a gift, and it has been a ministry, and it has been overwhelming at times. So here we sit at the end of the year 2020. This year is unprecedented in the fact that as a people, we have found ourselves more disconnected than we have probably ever been. Even though with the touch of a button, we can link and network with someone all the way on the other side of the world. Nothing accounts for this sense of loneliness and anxiety that seems to be prevalent in our society. And I can honestly say that in the times that I have um, been doing this work, there has never been such an uptick of anxiety and depression as we have seen in our society over these last four years. So I'm here doing this podcast, bringing all my that social work ladiness to it. Um, Because we need to rebuild our sense of community and connection. So my task here is to build community and to allow um, people into my life and my life stories so that they will know that what is happening with them, with their family, is not isolated incidents. No matter how terrifying, horrific, or traumatizing the situation is, the reality is at this point, 
you are not the only one who's experienced that. So I want us to be able to have conversations around these things. Um, I am black. I am woman. I have been mothering for 30 years, although I have only been a mother to one for the last 13 years. I got the title of that social work lady several years ago from a family that I was working with. And I'm going to tell you the story. So there was a, a kid who I was working with um, who was struggling with um, identifying as a gay person. This child knew that they were same-sex attracted and had been trying to hide the fact that they were same-sex attracted, you know, all their lives. <laughs> I happened to have met them when they were 14 years old. And they'd been really good at hiding being gay because, you know, they did all of the stuff that heterosexual people do, you know. So they, they pretended to have crushes on opposite-sex members, and, and they had the posters up in their room of, you know, whoever was popular at the time was supposed to be cute. So they did all those things, and they dressed in the fashion that you're supposed to dress when you are of specific gender. So they were really able to hide being same-sex attracted until they met another older kid who liked them, was not afraid of being same-sex attracted and gay, and just said, you know, out loud, you know, I like you. I would like for us to be together. So this child who had been hiding came to me and wanted to talk, process, what are they going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? And I said, well, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you fight it. You're going to be who you are. And either you're going to accept who you are or you can continue to fight who you are and subsequently hate who you are. And I would prefer you not go the route of self-hatred. So that opened up a Pandora's box of crazy that I did not know I was inviting. The, uh, the kids started to follow this person around who had expressed their interest in them. I mean, like, it was like introducing a... <laughs> I don't even know the substance. Like when you put the uh, the the baking soda into the into the experiment for the for the volcano and it just blow up. Like having having somebody tell you that they like you and they're attracted to you when you are 14 years old is one big blow up, right? Because it's like, wow, somebody likes me just because of who I am. And then second of all, to have that person not only just like you but validate the fact that you're not this evil source of 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 crazy because they're your same sex attracted is another big volcano blow up. And then to have a grown up say, I would prefer that you not go the route of self-hatred. So all of this came together into, um, for this particular child into this massive, um, explosion <laughs> internal and external of, I'm just going to be who I am. So, 
they then started to to really follow and be in relationship with this with this other person and the parent got wind that this was happening and unbeknownst to me the parents were very very anti um lesbian uh gay bisexual trans they were just anti everything that wasn't heteronormative and had even expressed so far as to say, even gone so far as to tell this child, I would rather you be dead than be gay. Which was a tremendous blow to me. Because I didn't know that in the 21st century, people were still um, saying things like that to their children. So when the child came back to my office and told me, um, my mother's going to put me out of the house. And they're 14 years old. And I said, what do you mean your mother? My mother's going to put me out of the house. And I'm just sitting in disbelief. I was like, your mother's going to put you out of the house for what? You know, this is a straight A student, an athlete, um, someone who shows care and commitment in the community, active in their church. And I was like, what, what, you know, even though they had this crush thing going on and they were, you know, love struck um, by this older student. I said, well, why would your mother put you out of the house? And the child went on to say, because she knows that I'm gay. So that, like, <laughs> that triggered me. Because I can't fathom a mother putting their child out of the house at 14, knowing the child had nowhere to go, simply for being who they were. So then I, of course, you know, go into full-on social work mode, and I'm processing with the child the fact that, you know, they have to deal with all this animosity and anger from their parent. And I'm also looking at the fact that we are existing in a community where there were so many adults who were available to be a support to this particular student. So I was like, you know, in the and then I also knew of Ruth Ellis Center, which is a, a magnificent um, haven for um, LGBTQIA uh, children in my community. Um, and so say Ruth Ellis center became our backup in the event that this child did in fact find themselves on the street. So I'm thinking, okay, we got a backup plan. We got a forward plan. We got mentors in place, you know, um, we're going to move through this. And then it came time for graduation and, the student, the, the child's person that they were in this relationship with, I hate calling kids boyfriend, girlfriends, because, you know, that becomes a whole nother thing. So they're, so they're there, and they want to celebrate this graduation with them. So they got, like, flowers and stuff to give to this person. It's just like, I'm so excited that you, you know, are graduating and are, are going to go on with these great, do these great things in your life. The mother shows up and is prepared to fight this other child because the mother did not like the fact that this kid had brought her child flowers and was liking her child and was in a relationship with her child because they were the same sex. And so she took the flowers, you know, she destroyed the flowers, threw them in the trash. The kid runs and hides in the building where we were in. And 
the mother storms into the office and screams, I want to see that social work lady. And and so I happened to be in the office at the time when she came in and made this declaration. But I was in the back of of the office, so she couldn't see me from where I was standing. So I came from around the corner because... Ain't no, scare, ain't no sense in being scared. You know, you can't be a social worker and be scared. You just got to deal with it and, not, and know that it's not about you. It's about whatever is going on with that family or that person. So I come from behind wherever I was standing. I said, I'm that social work lady. <laughs> and she is getting ready because I can see she, like she, she taking a deep breath. She huffing out her chest like she getting ready to cuss me out. And then I say to her, after I declare I'm that social work lady, I say, would you like to talk? Because we can go into the back and talk. I know that you're missing graduation. And I know graduation is important to you. But we can stop what we're doing and we can talk. If that's what you want. And I think she was disarmed because I wasn't, you know, I'm not getting ready to get defensive because ultimately this is her child, right? She birthed this child and, and clothed and fed and raised this child and created this human being who was an athlete and a scholar and a, a, genuine, a genuinely caring person. So she can't, whatever's going on with this mother right now around this gay thing can't be, from my perspective, the essence of who she is because she has in fact raised up until this point, a pretty amazing person. So I'm giving her, you know, I'm thinking, you know, there's some, there's some sanity there. There's some stability that there's a real foundation there within this parent. So she huffed and she was just like, fine, I'll talk to you. I got a lot to say to you. And I direct her into another room um, where she met with myself and another colleague. And of course she was, and she just, once the door closed, she just burst into tears. And she told me that she felt undermined by me because she was trying to raise her child to be a good Christian person. And they couldn't be good and Christian if they were gay. And that by me affirming to her child that they had to be whoever they were, I was basically condemning her child to hell. And I needed to understand from her perspective that she cannot have her child go to hell. You know, she re- and she felt that and I felt that for her because she and she she was just she was crying and crying and crying and she was shaking and she's like, and I, I'm just, I just don't want her to go to hell. And that made me take all the steps back. Because I am that social work lady. And I was also raised like that. I was raised in a world growing up, having been born in the 70s, and having grown up in Detroit on the east side, in a working-class neighborhood, 
where all the mamas and papas had jobs. Like I knew, I understood first and second shift language by the time I was six years old. I got it. You know, first shift mean your daddy going to work before you go to school. Second shift mean your mama going to take you to school, but then you got to come and stay at somebody else's house before she get off work. And if they work midnights, you know, we understood that as even as children, we understood what shifts mean because we lived in a working class neighborhood where everybody's parents worked either for one of the um, big three that was for Chrysler and GM, or they worked at a company like um, American Axle or Bud, which was adjacent to the one of the big three. So that was like, everybody understood that, how that worked. And we all went to church on Sat on Sunday. So you either, everybody in my neighborhood was either Baptist um, sanctified, uh, Jehovah witness or Muslim. So no matter what, everybody had these very, very, um, conservative religious views growing up, which is amazing backdrop to have for generation X kids. You living in a working class neighborhood, everybody's conservative and religious, and yet there's no real adult supervision. That's a whole nother story. So I understood where this parent was coming from when she is sitting in this room with me, shaking and crying and believing that her child would be condemned to damnation forever if they pursued a life where they lived um, as gay and openly gay. And... I wanted in all of my education and experience at that time to have a real good comeback about, you know, the, the psychosocial sexual development of children and, and, um, and how we have to be able to support our kids so that they can grow into be the adults that they are intended to be without the baggage and bondage that was placed on us. Like we got to break these generational curses. Right. So I wanted to come at her with that, but she was in so much pain. She was missing a graduation ceremony for her child. Her child had run away. She was hot. Her child was hiding somewhere trying to get away from her because of her fear of her mother and and at the same token this mother was genuinely terrified that if her child were to be gay then that child would be condemned to a life of damnation and eternal torment so instead of going into my bag of tricks um that I often rely on I told her to sit down and take a breath. And we got a glass of water. And I said, do you really believe that a merciful God would condemn this amazing person that you have raised to a life of damnation because they love And after she took her breath and she drank her water, she said to me, but the Bible says 
And I remembered my own biblical education. And so I had to, for a moment, take off the secular tools in, in this moment with this parent. And I said, ah, but in the Bible, there are literally 365 verses instructing us to love. And you can count on one singular finger the verse that condemns same-sex union. And if we really believe what we say we believe, how can we assume that that one verse of condemnation negates 365 verses that are teaching us about redemption. So, after we talked, after she took a breath, she said to me, I'm going to love my child no matter what, and I need them to know that. I got to work on me, though, and I know I got to work on me. But I'm willing to do it because I love my child. And that's the, so at the end, we did end up going back to graduation. Um, the kid was able to walk across the stage and, uh, and get their diploma. There was a lot of um, conflict and frustration, you know, as, as that family continued to struggle with the, um, with the coming out. But... Since that time, I have um, been called <laughs> that social work lady. And this particular parent, after because after graduation, of course, you would think that would be the end of that. I'm working as a school social worker, that she and I wouldn't have any more contact. But then she would send, you know, messages and notes and say, tell that social work lady that I said this or tell that social work lady this is what her child is doing. And, and so, so I would get little messages as, um, and it, and the messages would always be to that social work lady. So I, I, so at first when she first called me that social work lady, she obviously meant it with great deal of malice, <laughs> anger and frustration. And, and I wanted, and, and I thought it was, um, it was fitting though, because I am, I am a social worker. <laughs> And I and I get that when um, when when social workers are coming into the lives of children, we often don't pay attention to the fact that this kid is a part of a whole um, culture, a whole village, a whole circle. So a lot of times, um, the way that social workers have approached service for children. Um, has been specifically for the individual child and then the family as an as kind of an add-on. And and so so I get the anger and the, the vehemence that comes from adults towards social workers. So you know it's that social work lady, it's not that social work lady. Um because it's it's very demeaning and, and they're they're angry and and they ain't digging you <laughs> in that moment. They ain't digging you, they ain't digging what you got to say, they ain't digging what you're doing, they 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 ain't trying to hear you. So 
in in my work as a social worker for the last 26 years, it has always been my intention to respect the role of the original adult in a kid's life. And I have to respect the role of the original adult, even if that adult is their mother, their father, their sister, their grandmother, you know, um, aunt, uncle, or, you know, neighborhood friend who, who took them in. I recognize that there is an adult there for whom that child has bonded with, is connected to, and from whom they get their cues about how and who they're supposed to be in this world. Unfortunately for me, I'm only coming into their lives because something has happened. You know, you don't call the social worker when all the bills can get paid, you know, everybody is, is feeling good and, and healthy and, and, and hopeful. You, you don't call the social worker for that. You know what I'm saying? You call the social worker because you're getting evicted, the baby's sick, um, uh, or there has been some trauma and violence that has occurred that has to be corrected. So when, when, when a social worker comes into a person's life, um, a lot of times that person is at their lowest point or not quite at the lowest point, but they had a low point. And they don't, and the village that they had either is gone, so they don't have a system of support, or the system of support is so broken that it may as well not exist. So I get the resentment and anger and, and fear that comes from being introduced to a social worker. And once I am able to convince people that social workers don't, number one, just take people's babies. And um, because, you know, that's not the primary role of social workers in this world. Once I'm able to convince them of that, then we can start to partner towards healing. And recovery. And I say healing and recovery because um, when something bad has happened in your life or when you have gotten to a place where you can't really function at the level of which you need to function, in order to take care of yourself, your family, your responsibilities, your community. You you go into recovery. Right? You have to you have to recover what you've lost. Or you you get a chance to to build anew. So after so much um, internal and external destruction and trauma that has occurred in our society and in our community 
I thought that it was time for us to get on the road to recovery together. And that's what social workers do. So that's why this podcast is here. I'm Wanda Olubala, that social work lady. Let's build community.